It is said that after the French Revolution, one of Napoleon's ministers was seeking to create a new religion entirely based on science and reason. And after some years of trying this and many discouraging results, he was complaining to Napoleon saying, my new religion is beautiful, but people will not buy into it. To which Napoleon replied, are you trying to replace Christianity? Then I suggest you let yourself be crucified on a Friday and try to rise on Sunday. As you know, you know, the relationship between Christianity and civil power has always been a bit contentious, not easy. Jesus says in the gospel when they ask him whether it's lawful to pay the tax to Caesar or not, he says, repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. And that implies for us as Catholics that we have a sort of dual citizenship. In a sense, we belong to two kingdoms at the same time. We belong to this world, to a nation, a country in this world, and we belong to the kingdom of God. And it's a bit tricky how you correlate those two. Because there is a sphere of action that is regulated by civil power. And as Catholics, we are encouraged to be part of that, to uphold civil authority, to, to contribute to society in meaningful ways. And at the same time, because we belong to Christ, we're never allowed to act against our faith or against our conscience, even if civil authority would command us to do it. So given this dual citizenship situation, if you want the best combination of these two allegiances takes place when the values of the gospel permeate the laws and the institutions of a certain culture. And that's what we call a Christendom society. And when that happens, when, when the culture, when the laws, institutions of a certain nation are infused with the values of the gospel, well, it's fairly easy, in a sense, to, to be a believer. Or rather, I would say, you know, being faithful to God and being part of society kind of go together. It's not much of a challenge to merge them. Now, I'm not saying this is perfect. It's a, it's a better arrangement. But Christendom societies also have their own set of challenges. The other situation is when you live as a believer in a non-Christian culture. And when that happens, being faithful to Christ and fitting in usually are at odds with each other. It's like you have to choose sides in, in some issues. And that's what, that was the situation of the time of the apostles, of the early church. Clearly, they lived in an empire that was not Christian. In fact, they were persecuted often. And they had to contend with a lot of customs, laws, institutions that were not were at odds with the values of Christ. And we ourselves, we also find that after many centuries of living in a Christendom society, we're now heading clearly in the direction of the apostolic situation again. And you will find that you know, in many areas, the world around you is challenging you to minimize your Christian, your Catholic identity. 
to hide it, to be silent about it, to make it irrelevant. So what does it mean for us to follow Christ as King in, the, in, in a post-Christendom culture, in a culture that is no longer kind of permeated with the values of Christianity? Does it mean that we need to live in a sort of nostalgia of former times, dreaming of, you know, chivalry and the Middle Ages, or that we need to withdraw, basically, and not be part of society? No, I would say that we have this challenging privilege as Catholics, and that is that we have someone to lead us, we have a king to lead us in areas where the larger culture is lost and confused. We follow a king who has the keys to human flourishing, and everybody around us wants that. All of society, they all want, we all want human flourishing. But only when, you have the, when you're following that voice of Christ, you can truly find it. So how does Jesus do that? How does he lead us to human flourishing? I would say that he does it in two important ways. The first one is by speaking to our hearts and healing us. See, the power of Christ, his kingdom, is very different from kingdoms of, of this world in this particular thing that is not based on coercion, but on the appeal of truth and good and holiness. You see, there, there is no, the, the power of civil society is that if you don't follow the laws, you're punished. You have, you're, you have to pay a fine, you go to jail. In the kingdom of Christ, it's different. You don't, you're not arrested for not coming to mass. You know, if you miss confession on Easter, there's no letter from the, the Secretary of State in the Vatican summoning you to court. And it's, that's not the reason why, why we follow this king. It's a different principle. We're not coerced to follow him, but rather drawn to him. And that's what he says by a kingdom that is based on the appeal of what is true. That, that is, his words resonate deeply with our consciences with our hearts, with what we ultimately want. In the end, we want to be like him. We are drawn to his holiness. And we know it's difficult. The bar is really high, but at the same time, we're drawn to it. That's, I would say, one of the first aspects of that truth. He also reveals to us the most important truths there are, that you are made in the image and likeness of God, that your worth doesn't depend on your performance, what people say about you, but on the fact that you are created out of love by a God who loves you. He also conveys to us the very important truth that that image of God in us has been blurred in many ways, that we are broken, that we need his healing grace. And this king has the power to come to our hearts and heal them. He can heal the chaos, the dysfunction, the brokenness, so that we can be functional members of society. Uh, I saw this quote from recording artist Russell Brand in an interview. He said, drugs are not my problem. Drugs are what I use to deal with my problems. I think that's, that's the best the world can do without Christ. Use one problem to solve another problem. 
But that, that's not, that doesn't really work in the end. A crisis is the only one that can identify the root problem and go to it and heal it. So he makes us live again in the light, in what is true. So that's the first way in which he leads us to human flourishing. He speaks to our hearts. He calls us to the light. He heals us. And the second one is by creating new relationships. A king is someone who brings people into a certain unity. That's what a kingdom means. A kingdom is not just a one-on-one -on -one with God. It's a, a, a whole assembly of people gathered by the same values, by the same principles. And there's so much scatteredness in our world today, so much division, so much brokenness also in relationships. So Christ restores this by enabling us to relate to people in a profound way. And I've seen many people here in this community at the Newman Center experience this very clearly. So many of you have shared with me in different ways how being part of the Alpha courses, Bible studies, missions, pilgrimages has enabled you to relate to others in a very transparent and open way. You know, someone was sharing with me a few weeks ago that you know, this, this young man had a deep conversion to Christ and he is kind of astounded how of the number of friends he's making through that and the quality of those friendships. And he was saying, you know, it's almost too much for me, Father. I didn't grow up used to this, so it's a bit intense, all this sharing and open, but, but I like it. I definitely like it, he says. So Jesus is this king figure who leads us to human flourishing by speaking to our hearts and healing them, by cre creating in us this new capacity to relate and bringing us together. So let me suggest two practical takeaways for this week. The first one is to simply reflect on this and verify this in your own experience. See, if you have encountered Jesus, I'm sure you have seen how this works, how it's true that he brings this new harmony and peace into your soul so that your, your soul is more transparent and others can come in and, and, and enter in. You can allow them into your soul, into your life. And also he enables you to relate to others in a deeper way. And the second one is what I would call to create pockets of the kingdom of God. When living in a culture that is no longer guided by Christian principles, we can easily become discouraged. Because you might think, well, it seems the world is going worse and worse. And what I do, what difference is going to make? How can I reverse this trend? Well, that's the point. I don't think we need to kind of set ourselves to try to reverse this trend in the next five years. I don't think that will happen. Okay, we're not going to bring Christendom in, in the next 10 years or so. But that's not the point. The point is that we can bring the light of God. And you do it by creating this sort of pockets of the kingdom of God. And that's what the saints did. People like St. Benedict or Catherine of Siena or Ignatius Loyola or Maximilian Colby or Padre Pio. They created these pockets around them of disciples and this, this synergy with other believers so that others, were, others outside those circles were drawn in. They began to say, what are they doing? Why do they have this joy, this, 
this faith, this excitement about them. And in that way, they began to influence the, the wider culture. So in a post-Christendom society, we no longer have the ease of sharing the, 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 the consensus of the wider culture, having it with us, but we have a blessing. We count with the light of Christ in us. And by sharing that light, we can create something like bonfires in the night, to which many are drawn because they want that light that all of you, that we have. So may we pray. Lord Jesus Christ, our King, our Shepherd, we need you, Lord, to come and guide us because you hold the key of life. You have the power to heal us and to bring us together. So create in us, in each one of us, Lord, that harmony that you gave us in the beginning. And may your kingdom come and be manifest in our midst. We praise you, our crucified and risen King. Amen.